0: are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Tuesday, December 4th. And today, the biggest loss of the season, but what are the takeaways to remember? We're going to talk about that today. This is your boy, Matt Shook, the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in the Motor City covering the NBA for the Associated Press and the Detroit News, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine, and thanks for spreading the word as well, as we know that you do. Today, we're going to recap Monday's big, big loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're also going to go a little big-picture talk about what matters about this loss, what's important, what to remember, and uh, the things that reared their ugly head a little bit with this one, we're also going to share some listener feedback from the Google voicemail line, some good vo- Google voicemails to share, and also an update on uh, yesterday's interview with uh, Corey, who's been at twenty, all 21 of the Pistons Games so far this year, assuming that he made it to Monday night's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Also, give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook S C H O C H another underscore after that. Also, the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account, and give us a like on Facebook at Lockdown Pistons dash Matt Shook. We really appreciate all those numbers going up, and all you guys and the interaction, all that good stuff as you listen to the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You're only. Daily Detroit Pistons Podcast, and we love the fact that we corner that market for you every day, but the Pistons got absolutely drilled on Monday night at home against the Oklahoma City thunder one ten to eighty three a twenty seven point loss by far the worst loss of the season and honestly twenty seven points it it, it wasn 't even that close. It felt like a miracle that they were only down ten points at the half. And I think the second-half result, especially the third quarter, was a little bit more indicative of the game that went down. Billy Donovan's team's playing some great defense right now. I thought that was basically a 40-point beatdown disguised as a 27-point win for the Thunder. The five-game win streak for the Pistons is snapped. The perfect homestand is ruined in the final game and ended at 5-1, but still obviously extremely very good. The Thunder get their, I believe, 15th win in 18 games after their 0-4 start to the season. The Pistons now 13-8 on the season, and then the fourth seed of the Eastern Conference, with their next two games coming up against the number two and the number three seed in the East. So look, I mean, the Thunder, they're very good right now, especially defensively, which is pretty remarkable considering that they're doing all of this without their best defensive player. And Andre Roberson, who went down with the gruesome injury the last year that the Pistons had the Thunder visit, and that's when Roberson got hurt. He has not played since then. A team to watch out for that's kind of quietly putting together a huge season as some of the Western Conference contenders are slipping up a little bit. I think the continuity is starting to pay off with this team. We see that sometimes in early seasons as the the, the big free agent acquisitions and the big trades and those rookies added to the team sometimes can um, make things a little bit difficult through the first half of the season, but the Thunder are a team that are not dealing with that. Paul George, Stephen Adams, and Russell Westbrook have had a year to gel and kind of get used to each other, and Billy Donovan putting in his defense. So uh, a relentless effort from them them, and uh, just a great game for the Thunder as they get the win, starting off a three-game road trip for them that could be very fruitful with uh, Chicago and Brooklyn coming up next for them. 21 points from Steven Adams to lead all scorers in this game, 18 points from Russell Westbrook, including six points and six rebounds. Nice to get his triple-double averages down, so Pistons fans can maybe take solace in that. That The team was so bad they had to take Russell Westbrook out late, which hurt his overall numbers. OKC did all this thrashing while only shooting seven for 25 from three-point land for 28%. Normally when you have a beatdown like this, it's an absurd shooting night for the winners, but they were just 50% overall, which is very good, obviously, but not like the astronomical number you might expect, and especially not even a good number from three with the 28%, the worst shooting team in the league from deep. But a lot of the 50% overall from field goals had a lot to do with the fact that it was just points in the paint, layup lines, dunks, all that good stuff uh just shredding up the Detroit defense and uh really even doing worse to the Detroit offense 33% overall from the field for the Pistons so uh, a big You know, 17-point difference in percentage field goal uh, for the two teams. 18% from three-point land for the Pistons, going 6-for-32. So as bad as Oklahoma City was, the Pistons were 10 points worse percentage-wise. And also Oklahoma City was able to make one more three and shoot seven less. So that's going to be a good good thing every time. Blake Griffin, who... Um, maybe one of the only bright spots, and not only not, not that he had a good game, but he was good for a few minutes at a time, a couple of times. That's about all you can say positively about these Pistons tonight. Blake Griffin, twenty points, five rebounds, four assists, so a respectable stat line for him. Thirteen points and six rebounds for Andre Drummond. A couple of nice plays, but more bad ones. We'll get into that more later. Twelve points for John Lur in mop-up duty. If you're looking for a positive. The most points he's had in a game since March 24th, 2017. And also 10 points for Reggie Jackson to round out the double figures for the Pistons. A nice little scoring binge lately for Reggie. And he stays on top of it with 10 points in the the loss. Luke Kennard did make his return on the court after uh, several weeks. But he did not score. Langston Galloway was scoreless. Jose Calderon, Jose Pachulia. All those guys got decent minutes and were scoreless. So the bench clearly not the factor that it has been lately. And then for the starters, it gets worse. Reggie Bullock, out with an ankle injury after a scoreless three minutes after starting the game, missed the rest of it. An ugly drive and even an uglier result as he went straight to the locker room after that. So a forgettable one in all senses of the word for the business, but we got to dissect it a little bit. We're going to talk about that, but a chance to – uh, wash it out of your mouth and get rid of the taste as quickly as possible. The Pistons will be in Wednesday, Milwaukee for a big one, a divisional foe, uh, the number three or two seed in the Eastern Conference, a team that was all the rage early on, and uh, but still beatable. You know we'll see Mike Budenholzer and Dwayne Casey for the first time against each other in their respective um teams that they are now first year coaches of and the Pistons will continue with a Friday night game at home against the Philadelphia 76ers and then Sunday at home against New Orleans, Monday at Philadelphia, so it's it's pretty much one day off, one day or one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off this week and uh, some really big games, a couple of meetings with Joel Embiid and the 76ers for Andre Drummond and the Pistons coming up in the next week or so. But up next we're going to talk about all the important things to remember from the Pistons game, and the Pistons will be hopefully wiping the slate clean. But what should we keep in mind once we come away from this one? But this episode of Locked on Pistons is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat, the perfect holiday gift for the cold person in your life, and I know that you've got some of them. Uh, If you're a resident and you're connected to the state of Michigan, Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them, which is obviously a great thing uh, when you're on the go. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift lifts. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers or snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors and hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks. Socks, we need those warm socks. Gloves, hats, Even undergarments, like heated base layer shirts and long johns, you can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. It's available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make your winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm even in the most frigid winter weather. And we know that that is coming up here in the great state of Michigan. Heated products that fit everyone's budget starting at just $39.99. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. I'm going to put in my order soon for holiday gifts. You know me, though. I'm a bit of a procrastinator, as I'm sure many of you are too. But again, that's actionheat.com slash locked on. Or use the coupon code Locked On at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your activities outdoor this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Pistons. Yes, sir! A little bit later on, we're going to hit some listener feedback, but I wanted to pass along some big Central Division news that the Chicago Bulls fired Fred Hoidberg on Monday, the second Central Division coach to be fired this season with his second-to-last game being a loss to the Pistons in Detroit in both cases. The same thing happened with Tyron Lue after the fourth game of the year. So he lost another game after the game in Detroit, then got fired. And the same thing with Fred Hoiberg, where he lost on Friday night in Detroit, then lost another game, and then he was fired. So uh, don't lose to the Pistons and then lose your next game and then sleep well at night if you're a coach in the NBA. So John Paxson runs the show, the former running mate of Michael Jordan, In Chicago, Uh, Gar Foreman is also there in the front office as well. The belief amongst fans and insiders in Chicago is that Hoiberg was uh, uh, Gar Foreman's guy, their Iowa State connection there. And really over three years, uh, after three years, the question is, what are the Bulls kind of doing, especially for the first half of uh, Fred Hoiberg's tenure? Where were they going? What were they planning? It was a disjointed roster of young and also win now guys. You didn't really have a fit there and only fully committed to the rebuild recently in these last year and a half or so. And now with marketing coming back from injury, I thought that this year might be a good chance to see what Fred can do as a coach. And especially with marketing and Wendell Carter, Uh, See if there's some real development there with those young guys and also see what kind of offensive improvements they could make system-wise, especially with Fred Hoiberg coming in as a a system offensive space and uh, pace guy that everyone kind of wanted to see after his successful stint in college with the Iowa State Cyclones. But now uh, you've got former MSU assistant Jim Boylan uh, taking over, who, by the way, is a different guy. Then the Jim Boylan, who is suing the Cavaliers for age discrimination, there's two Jim Boylans that are longtime assistant coaches in college and NBA ranks, and they're both MSU assistants. They both used to coach at the same time at MSU, and it's Jim Boylan with a B-O-Y-L-A-N and a Jim Boylan with a Jim B O Y L E N. And I don't remember this. This is like late 80s, early 90s, a little before my time of being aware what the Michigan State basketball assistant coaches situation was. But both apparently Jim Boylan's were the, were the assistant coaches at the same time in East Lansing. So the A N Jim Boylan is taken over as the interim coach of the Chicago Bulls. And the other one, Jim Boylan E N was a former interim coach of the Chicago Bulls after Scott Skiles got fired in 2007. Just completely insane. There's two Jim Boylans who were interim coaches for the Bulls. They were both MSU assistants at the same time for Judd Heathcote. Boylan A.N. and Boylan E.N. Just insane. Has to drive the people who cover the team crazy, and that'll be fun to keep track of. But speaking of driving people crazy, who was that Pistons team on Monday night that we saw get drilled by the Oklahoma City Thunder? Well, unfortunately – the clues have kind of been there at times even this year and certainly throughout the careers of some of these guys. We know that Russell Westbrook seems to take pleasure in working Reggie Jackson, his former teammate in Oklahoma City, uh, who he has bad blood with. Reggie was traded from Oklahoma City to Detroit and had some words for Russell Westbrook and the organization. Uh, Reggie won a game against the Thunder back at the Palace days and kind of celebrated in a taunting way, and it's something that, you know, a guy like Russell Westbrook never forgets. So um, in the game last night, uh, Westbrook scored on him one time and then mimed rocking a baby to his own bench on the way down the court. Probably a reference to Reggie inside the locker room and stuff like that. So not a good look for Westbrook and certainly not a good look for Reggie as he was kind of getting uh, made fun of on the court by one of the game's best players. Also, Andre Drummond playing so well lately at an all-star level, just doing the things that he does well, not trying to do too much. But as I talked about on Monday's podcast leading up to the game for the Thunder, the challenge of going up against Stephen Adams, another tough guy, another top-flight center in the NBA was just too much for him. And it seems like the that these guys kind of get in uh, Reggie's head, and he feels like he needs to outplay these guys individually and then tries to do too much. Sometimes you get a shot blocked twice in the first uh, half in an embarrassing fashion, including a floater attempt from the elbow that Adams would have blocked 100 times out of 100 was in great position. And while he can get that shot over some 6'10 guys who aren't shot blockers, sometimes guys like Steven Adams are just going to, Throw that back in his face. He shot a three uh, after hesitating and looking at Reggie Jackson, and the fans coaxed him into it. He missed that badly. Um, obviously a horrible out-of-rhythm three-pointer for a guy who sh- has no business th- shooting three-pointers as it is. Uh, some more early fouls from Andre Drummond as up on the bench. Just and, and Meanwhile, Adams is making his first seven baskets, scoring a game-high 21. Just one of those games that actually you felt bad for Andre Drummond. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch. And that's not the feeling you want out of your all-star. I have a feeling that a lot of uh, fan bases aren't watching their all-star players thinking, ooh, I kind of feel bad for this guy. And you really felt bad for Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson throughout this game, which is a weird feeling to have when you're thinking about your, your star players that you want to help lead this team from mediocrity to, uh, to something better than that. And you also felt bad, by the way, for Glenn Robinson III. Um, I hate to single out guys because there's so much bad in this game, and, and no one really had a game they could feel too proud of, maybe other than John Lure, And like I said, at times, at a couple minutes here and there, for Blake Griffin, but I think it's time to have a bit of a Glenn Robinson the third conversation, and we'll talk about him more throughout the season as it goes on. But it it becomes a bigger issue now with Reggie Bullock maybe out for a while, another wing that has a little bit of size and a little bit of defense. And I know that it, the theory is that Luke Kennard might step in for Bullock if Bullock has to be out for a little while or even maybe a longer while. But uh, I think that Glenn Robinson the third is going to have to step up or should be needed and and relied upon to step up for the Pistons. But Glenn is just not getting it done right now. Defensively, he's been a minus in uh, pretty much all phases. He's starting for the team, but... He's more starting because Stanley Johnson's more suited to be a bench player. I would suspect in the short term that Glenn Robinson's starting continues, especially because you have, like I said, Bullock, another starter, who might have to be replaced in the starting lineup. You don't want to just throw two new guys in there, although maybe that is an opportunity to find a better fit to go alongside the uh, Drummond-Jackson-Griffin A trio there. If you're going to be taking Bullock out of the starting lineup out of necessity, maybe that's a chance to match up two different guys who might fit well with each other and fit with those big three guys a little bit better too. But I mean, looking at Robinson, talking about him a little bit more, just airballed three-pointers, missed wide-open layups, um, drives that are going nowhere, just a really bad start to the season for Glenn, um, who sometimes... Uh, doesn't m- get much run, or not sometimes, many times, especially lately, not getting much run at all after coming out after he starts the game. He's scoring 5.4 points per game in 16.1 minutes this season, not the production that the Pistons were looking for when they gave him the $4 million deal with a team option for one more. $4 million deal next year. 32% from three, that needs to be better. He's averaging one rebound a game, half an assist. Not worth that $4 million to this team right now, and as of now, the Pistons should definitely not pick up that contract for next year, and should be looking at different options for uh, the wing and also for small ball four. Now certainly there's so much time, three-fourths of a season, for Glenn Robinson III to clean that up, to get things going, to get some rhythm for him individually, find his way in Wayne Casey's rotation and offense, and turn things around, but we just haven't seen that lineup that we thought that maybe Glenn Robinson the III could be that small ball, the f- small ball four. Not a thing we've seen much of and, and could have by now if Robinson was playing better. I did like the fact that Dwayne Casey did give Glenn some run towards the end of that blowout, played pretty much the whole fourth quarter, but didn't do anything again. Didn't get anything going even in garbage time, even when there's no pressure whatsoever. Glenn Robinson the third struggled throughout the fourth quarter. Um And I think it's really concerning. I think with Luke Kennard coming back, maybe that's some minutes that uh, could come out of Glenn Robinson III's minutes. But again, the size that he gives you on the wing is a little bit unique compared to maybe some of the other players that the Pistons have as wing options. So then you got the Bullock's minutes. Um, that uh, could be maybe going to Luke Kennard as well. It's just uh, some different challenges than maybe uh, Dwayne Casey thought of when he was coming into the season. We we know this team was not going to be strong on the wing. In fact, it's it's weak on the wing. But at least a lot of these guys have some things that they do well. I think Reggie Bullock is maybe the best overall all-around player of all these guys. Stanley Johnson, if he's consistent, could be too. But uh, there's holes in the games of all these guys, bringing up Langston Galloway into that conversation, Glenn Robinson III. Uh, But the things that we thought that Glenn Robinson III could do well, knocking down open shots from the three uh, from the corner, um, playing defense pretty well, and just kind of being a steadying presence just haven't gone the way that uh, Pistons fans and University of Michigan fans had hoped coming into the season. So a thing to keep an eye on. And obviously, his minutes will be a thing to keep an eye on too. And maybe, maybe John Lure kind of swings into the those uh, those backup power forward minutes at some point and starts getting into the regular rotation. At uh, as as Glenn Robbins the third possibly falls out of favor that continues to fall out of favor with Dwayne Casey, as we we've seen just based on the minutes that that is certainly the case right now, but the Locked On podcast network, we're doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram on Twitter, follow Locked On NBA net, same handle for Instagram. You get all the Locked On podcast network, local hosts covering their NBA team in one feed. It's amazing during game nights. I follow it and get all the hosts on there. Um, on Instagram, Locked On NBA Net is giving you the biggest stories in just one minute on your Instagram stories, and longer cuts on the bigger stuff as well in your stories. So make sure and follow Locked On NBA Net on both Twitter and Instagram. Next, we're going to hit some of the listener feedback. That's next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked On Network. Your team every day.
1: <laughs> hey, Matt. This is Andy from Ann Arbor, and I'm calling in regards to Tayshaun Prince. Your uh, comments on Friday's podcast about why The Distance signed him. My personal opinion is that signing Tayshon Prince when they did was a 100% nostalgia play. That's that's all it was. I don't know if it actually sold any tickets or not because, I mean, it was Tayshaun Prince, but he was a member of the Go to Work Distance and people have a very soft spot in their heart for that crew. I know I do. Anyway, it was 100% nostalgia play. Nothing
0: other than that. Andy from Ann Arbor using the Google voicemail line 810 666 1546. Thanks to him for the call. He's reacting to a discussion I had last week about the Jonas Jarebko for Tayshon Prince trade with Jarebko in town with the Warriors. We talked about him and how he started off with the Pistons, was a second round pick, had a great first season in Detroit, but kind of fizzled out. And I was questioning because as I, as I brought up to the listeners, I was living in the Virgin Islands at the time. And during some of these times, these lean times for the Pistons, I wasn't a daily follower of the team as far as why this and why that. I watched as many games as I could. But, uh, you know, I'm on the beach. I'm in the Virgin Islands. The Pistons are bad anyway, especially even during the first year of the Stan Van Gundy era. So I know a lot of you guys that are listening probably know a few of these, you know, six or seven years that maybe I was away and living out of state more than I do. The entire Josh Smith era, the Greg Monroe stuff. I mean, again, I've always been a fan. You guys know from listening to this podcast that I know this team very well, but mostly uh, took a little bit of time off in terms of my a hardcore fandom that I maybe had over the years. So uh, Jonas Jarebko, and some of the some of you guys reached out on Twitter as well, pointing out that uh, Jonas Jarebko was looking for some more playing playing time, and uh, Stan Van Gundy granted that to him during that time. So it was kind of a, well, you, know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. But uh, here's some more listener feedback coming in from the uh, the Google Voice line. Again, that's 810-666-1546, and here's Breeshyn.
1: Hey Matt, this is Breeshan Miller, MA in Philly, uh, but I lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan, from '09 to '16. My hometown moved back there, about three hours from Detroit, and I was I'm well familiar with um, uh, that period of the Pistons. We were catching games about one a year. We'd go out to the palace and catch a game. Um, I'd get everybody together. Uh, but I, I remember, th- I remember those few trades, uh, early in SUG's career, uh, pretty well. And the singler was gone and he felt he needed, uh, veteran presence to, uh, help the young guys. And he, th- and that he felt he needed an option at small forward after getting rid of singler. The team was, well, the team, the Pistons have always had problems at small forward, uh, having enough depth at the position. And, if I remember correctly, SVG considered Tareko more of a four, and which he kind of has become, um, than a three. But there was some contention. A lot of people felt no, Tareko he could he could prove up. He he still got a young career. Tayshon's on the end, but there was a lot of us who were like, "Hey, bring Tayshon back. The team's gonna suck anyway. Let's see Tayshon play some more." And uh, that, is, that eventually, we think, got Chauncey to come back. And it was real heartwarming for a lot of us. I do think you downplay Tay a little bit. I mean, I got his jersey, so I'm probably the other side of that.
0: And That was Breeshan. Breeshan also went on to say that he believes that Tayshaun Prince's number should be retired as well as kind of the fifth member of that '04 uh, 4 team that ended up winning the championship, as we know. And as Breeshan talked about, maybe the best starting five of all time collectively at that time. And obviously since then, things have changed. But uh, just one of those teams that's in that discussion as a collective five-man unit. And I understand what he's talking about. But, I, but in my opinion, I just feel like Tayshaun's enough of a step down from those other four guys that, that maybe shouldn't be uh, mentioned in that same kind of vein as far as, but, but you know, like this is the same team that's got Vinnie Johnson up in the rafters. And of course, 007 has something to do with that. And these are discussions we'll continue to have uh, collectively as a group here with the Locked on Business podcast. But one more discussion I want to have, we talked about Corey the other day and Breeshan uh, was uh, kind enough to offer up a place to stay for Corey if he wants to go continue his streak starting uh, next Friday, or next, I'm sorry, a week from, this coming Monday, so a week from yesterday when yesterday's game happened, when uh, Philly, Detroit's going to be on the road, and Philly on the road in Charlotte. And Corey talked about on Monday's podcast, our guest who has been to the first 21 games for the Pistons season wants to maybe continue that streak for as long as possible. So I know that Breeshan and Corey are trying to hook up and maybe try to make that happen for Corey and Philly. We will see, and I'll keep you guys posted if I hear anything else about that. But my next question is, for the Google Voice line, 810-666-1546, what's your stories from the road? Have you been on the road uh, to see the Pistons play? Do you have any good stories? Do you have any favorite arenas, uh, anything else? Or have, do you have stories of uh, f- opposing fans coming to Detroit and having some stories about that? R-rated is okay, but uh, you know we'll, we'll use our discretion about which ones we share on the air. But send them along. You can send a text to that number, 810-666-1546, and I'll read it or better yet just leave a voicemail and we can play those on the show so we'll kind of keep some of those out there as well so thanks you guys for interacting especially um andy and ann arbor and also breaching out in philly love those guys and, and love hearing from them on the feedback and love hearing all from all you guys on twitter and social media and all that stuff too. keep that coming and uh, love the interaction love the the dms love the, uh, the the responses the the ads and all that good stuff too so Give us a follow on Twitter and join the uh, the group. We're going to have some meetups coming up soon. I'm ex- excited to tell you about those that are coming up. And uh, get in touch with me if you want to um, maybe throw out some suggestions for what you think we should do in terms of some more interaction here on the Locked on Pistons podcast. But uh, a tough one for the Pistons tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But we've got some more to talk about later this week. The Milwaukee Bucks. The Pistons be playing their first game in the new Milwaukee Bucks arena. I think it's the new coach, Mike Budenholzer, a guy who you know if you're a longtime listener, that I was that was who I wanted the Pistons to try to hire. And I think they did try to hire, but obviously came up with a, a great choice of their own, and really probably even maybe even a better choice, and maybe someone who fits the city of Detroit a little bit better than Budenholzer, who wanted to just play that new, completely new style. I think Dwayne Casey's doing a good job of embracing Pistons history and Detroit history and uh, and how this things intertwine and trying to build uh, this next iteration of good teams here with the Detroit Pistons and we will see how he does. But this is your host Matt Shook saying thanks for listening everyone. Rating, review, iTunes, follow us on social media, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Pistons podcast and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.